Hello and welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valian Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, thanks for joining us this week. Um, we're super excited to have um, a fun special guest on. He's a um, salmon Idaho native, which is kind of fun because that's where my grandparents reside. My mom grew up, but he's also a ninja warrior and a rancher. And so I'm, I don't want to waste much time on just babbling. So I'll let Lance introduce himself and we'll just dive right into the episode. So thanks for joining us, Lance. Yeah. Well, thank Thank you guys. Yeah. Like you said, my, you know, my name's Lance Picus. Uh, they call me the, the cowboy ninja off of, uh, NBC's, uh, hit show American Ninja Warrior. Um, I got, a uh, kind of got deemed that name when I first started just cause I was probably one of the only competitors uh, coming from more of an ag ranching background. And, you know, I live and work on a cow-calf cattle ranch, uh, like you stated, in Salmon, Idaho. So uh, it, it they uh, named me that, and it stuck. So, yeah, that, that's what they've been calling me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. And we're, we're loving having you represent not only Idaho, but the agriculture industry in general, how and when did you decide to kind of pursue training to be a ninja warrior? And what does that entail? Yeah, so uh, I'm actually going into my 10th season. So I've been amazingly doing this for uh, 10 years now. So it's, it seems, it seems hard for me to believe. Um, and when I, when I started about 10 years ago, it, it wasn't very well known. It was mainly a cable network show. I just happened to see it just actually at a friend's house. Cause I didn't even have that cable network. And, uh, uh, it just, it just something about it intrigued me. It, it, it kind of it inspired me to, to want, want to give it a try. So, and I think like most competitors on the show, they just kind of, kind of gave it a try. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely started practicing and training and realized how difficult it looks. It definitely looks a lot easier on, uh, on TV. And then, uh, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. Actually my first season, I, I didn't even make it out of qualifying. I filled the warp wall and, uh, they brought me back and started having success after that. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun to grow because, you know, obstacle course racing and training, it's, it's, it's interesting because you, you find your weaknesses really fast. And you, uh, you know, just learn to work on your weaknesses. And but it's also very easy to see progress when you when you're weak at something and can't do it, and you you know you work hard at it. Suddenly you're all you know able to almost do it, and then you are able to do it. Now now you're doing that and adding something out onto it. So it's really rewarding in that sense. And um, you know, I, I kind of relate that to almost anything in life. You know, especially in agriculture, you you see that a lot. You're always learning from your mistakes. You know, everyone's making mistakes every year or, you know, different elements are thrown at you. Environmental deals are thrown at you and you, you just take them, take them as they come, the obstacles as they come and you learn from them and grow. I love that mindset. That's a great way to look at life in general. Um, what, what is your training like? What, what does it consist of? Uh, so when I first started, I definitely was, I had to do a lot of skill-based training, you know, cause a lot of the stuff you just, you, you don't do in your everyday, you don't use, uh, all your muscle groups like you do on a Ninja Warrior course. Um, they test you, you know, they'll test your fingertips and unless you're a rock climber, you don't, you don't train that stuff. Um, so definitely spent a lot of time building, building different muscles and different groups that I don't normally, normally use. I felt like I had an advantage coming in compared to a lot of other people. Cause, uh, you know, 
living and working on a ranch, you, you, you're definitely very physical and full body physical. Um, so I felt like it gave me a hand, hand up in that. And it also gave me a mental edge up because a lot of people can do a lot of this stuff, but they just kind of mentally break down when things get tough. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of times when you're, when you're doing working in agriculture where you, you just gotta, you know, suck it up and, and make your way through it. And I think that type of attitude really helped me out when I first started. Um, and then I just, I started training my weaknesses, doing a lot more pull, uh, pull-ups, a lot more body weight stuff. Cause you know, ultimately with Ninja Warrior, you, you gotta move, be able to move your own body around and do it efficiently. And, and honestly, it's just made me a better, uh, athlete all around, uh, by training that way, just cause it's very functional fitness. Um, you know, if you can run, jump and swing around on almost anything on an Ninja Warrior course, it definitely, you know, helps me when I'm running around on the, you know, running away from a mother calf that I'm trying to tag her calf or something like that. You know, it definitely, uh, helps me, helps, helps me there. Helps, helps me keep me injury free, whatever, whatever I'm pursuing in life. So. <laughs> so salmon doesn't really have any like gyms or warrior gyms. How do you train, like train on a day-to-day basis? Did you have to build a lot of the equipment or is it just running and squatting and, and stuff, um, at home? Yeah. So I definitely, what I want, I've gone through phases with Ninja warrior. And like when I first started off and I was building all sorts of different obstacles, you know, my, uh, our calving shed when we weren't calving was just full of things hanging from the, from the rafters and different obstacles I was building. And, um, and then I kind of got more into the, you know, body weight strength training type stuff later on. And I, you know, as the show has progressed, the obstacles have gotten harder. So I've had to train in different ways. Um, you know, and I've honestly, I've gotten, I've gotten older, I've gotten 10 years older throughout the show. So, um, with the, with age comes, you know, the little, the nicks and bruises and everything and, uh, uh, some of the tendonitis and stuff. So I've definitely had to do a lot more maintenance work. I couldn't just, uh, throw some tennis shoes on after work and, uh, get a really good workout. And now I, I probably have to warm up just as much as I work out. So, um, <laughs> but you know, that's, that, that's half the battle. Um, especially living where I, where I live, uh, like you said, there's no gyms and, when I first started out, there weren't really gyms anyway. So I felt like I was, uh, kind of even almost a little ahead of everyone. Cause I, I did build some stuff. Yeah. Had the place to build a lot of stuff, but now there's, there's really extravagant ninja gyms all over almost in every major city you go to. And there's, and as you saw, uh, if you guys have watched the season at all this year, um, they lowered the age to 15 and I, I didn't think they were going to do, you know, very well, just, you know, being 15 year old kids, but some of these kids have been training probably almost as long as I've been competing. And, uh, these kids are good and they've been training in these really high tech gyms and they got a lot of, a lot of stuff, um, which is, it's cool to see, uh, you know, a, a sport kind of build, build behind the TV show. Cause these kids treat it like a, like a full grown sport, which we, most of us competitors always have, but uh, it's really fun to see it grow like that. Um, but I, I also try to use that as, uh, you know, a way to motivate, especially, you know, kids or people that, you know, do live in rural areas that maybe don't have, uh, facilities or don't have the opportunities that, uh, you know, other people that live in, you know, maybe more, uh, metropolitan or city areas that, you know, Hey, if you really put your mind to it, you can still, you can still compete with whoever you want. You just got to put the time and effort. You maybe have to you know, you know, do some extra stuff on the end, but, you know, 
don't let that discourage you because you know um you know i've competing i'm competing you know i've competed with uh you know olympic athletes professional athletes professional stuntmen um and people that train non-stop in, in ninja gyms and i i can most of the time still keep up so um i just use it as motivation what a great mindset and a reminder to us all because i think sometimes we do get kind of in the mindset well i don't have a big fancy gym or i don't have x y or z or i wasn't built to do this but i think with the right mindset and the toughness and determination there, if there's a will, there's kind of a way. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that where for listeners that haven't been following this season, where are you at in the season and how much of the season has aired so far? All right. So the airing, um, we are last, I believe last Monday was the last, uh, qualifying rounds, uh, that aired. Um, I, my first qualifying round, I think was the second episode. Um, uh, I ended up going, falling on the fifth obstacle, the obstacle before the warp wall, which, um, it was a pretty tough course this year. They definitely stepped up the course, uh, the toughness of the course. Um, first time I'd fallen, uh, in a qualifier due to maybe, uh, not, uh, not from just slipping on a balance obstacle, um, or inexperience. This one was just, uh, you know, some tough obstacles. I definitely was maybe going a little too fast and, and, and pumped out, um, which, uh, you know, it was a little eye opener for, for me. Cause mo- most of the time, uh, if I don't mess up on a balance obstacle and qualifying, I, I, I finished, um, in my, in my 10 season career. So, um, but that happened to a lot of other people too. There was, uh, I think there's only like six finishers that night and I still had a really fast time ended up in 11th. Uh, they take the top 30 to, uh, the semifinals. So, uh, my first semifinals episode actually airs next Monday, the 17th. So, yeah. So make sure to tune in. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to air, but uh, Monday, the 17th on NBC will be my semifinals run. Um, and it was taped in, uh, the backlog studios of universe or backlot of universal studios down in LA. Oh, wow. So you're kind of a ways from home for that. Yeah. So yeah. my husband absolutely loves, um, American Ninja Warrior. And so we watch it pretty regularly. Was, <laughs> was it the, um, the spinning logs that took you out? Uh, not, not this year. The spinning logs took me out. The balance obstacle took me out season eight. Definitely. I've definitely had my issues with law logs, <laughs> spinning logs to be, uh, this year, uh, they were like, uh, I can't remember what they called it. They were like a pill drop. Um, they were just really thick, almost like a pipe looking, uh, uh, pill kind of that you had to like, uh, grab and, and you had to descend like three feet to another one. Um, and I don't, I don't think the obstacle itself was hard, but it was, the like very last obstacle. And there was a lot of, a lot of upper body pumpy stuff before it. And it just all accumulated and, uh, yeah, I slipped and fell. So, but, uh, you know, kind of going back to is, you know, I, I, I failed, but I, I moved on, um, is kind of the important part, but even when I fail and don't move on, I, I kind of look at these as, uh, not really failures, as more as just kind of learning experiences. Um, every time I 
I mess up on something, I, I like to look at why I failed it. Was it preparation? Was it just uh, uh, a misstep, a balance? Was it, uh, do I need to do more strength training? Um, and honestly, it's just one of those things that I can almost take to any, any aspect of my life. You know, if I, if I fail at something, I, I try to look at, look at it as a learning experience, kind of get back up, dust myself off, figure out why. And, 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 uh, you know, hopefully come if, you know, if, it, if I am done for the season, hopefully come back that the next season, even stronger. Um, but you know, hopefully, uh, I get another shot that year. Yeah, no, it's always, it's kind of life in general. Um, you got to pick yourself up and keep moving forward. And sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it's not, um, how, how far in advance did they film this and have, do you kind of know, do you know the results and is it already done in real life and they just air it over time or how does that, how does that work? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They definitely, uh, we film everything quite a, quite a bit ahead of time. And then they like to put their movie magic behind it before they, they show it. Um, you know, over the 10 years, it's the format has changed a bunch and how they filmed has changed a bunch these last two years because of uh, COVID they've done all central locations. Um, so this year we filmed in Tacoma, all the qualifying rounds in Tacoma, we went home. Uh, and then they brought all the semifinalists back to LA for a weekend um, we went home, um, and then if you made uh, the top 15 and made nationals, um, then we went to Vegas for the nationals this year, um, which they missed that last year. So it was kind of a coming home deal, which was kind of fun um, for uh, just Ninja Warrior in the show in in general. Um, but yeah, uh, so so mo- mo- most of all. Mo- most years, what they did was you would go to one central location because they're filming it, it in regions uh, across the U.S. So like either Denver or L.A. or Miami or something. And you would go just for one weekend. You'd film your qualifying. If you made the top 30, you'd come back the next night and you'd film the, uh, the city finals. Um, and then if you made nationals, then you'd come back like a month later for nationals. Um and, but the way they air it is they, they air your, all the qualifyings and then they come back and air all the semifinals. So they, they seem like they're months apart and you're doing lots of traveling, but uh, most of the time it's just like one to two weekends out of your year. So hmm. Interesting to get a look behind how that yeah. part of the world works for sure. So something that we really love about um, you competing in what you do for American Ninja Warrior, Warrior is um, the campaign of the campaign of beef. It's what's for ninjas. The promotion that you do for beef ranching and agriculture in general. How did that come to be? Oh, you know, I just you know, nit, you know, being the cowboy ninja, uh, the show really just loves to profile, especially you know our lifestyle of living on a cow calf cattle ranch uh, in Idaho. Um, especially in my early seasons, they, they like to cover a lot of that stuff. Cause honestly, m- the majority of the people coming to compete were from urban city, metropolitan, uh, type backgrounds. And they all had, you know, you were into parkour gymnastics and, and stuff. So I was definitely kind of an outlier when it came to, especially the finalists back then. Um, we definitely have diversified. It seems like there's getting more and more people, uh, you know, from different backgrounds and ag background coming in. Um, but I definitely probably even 
probably the most consistent um, of that group. Um, but uh, yeah, it just, it just kind of naturally came together, you know, sometimes promoting, especially like in the, within the beef industry and stuff like that, you, it, it can be hard, especially on the national level, um, you know, getting approval. Cause I, I do have to get all that stuff approved through NBC and uh, their legal team and stuff like that. So uh, it kind of slowly came in and they slowly approved everything. And I started, uh, you know, wearing more beef, uh, stuff. I started working heavily with, uh, the Idaho beef council here and doing just local events. Um, and then I started doing some other state, uh, beef council events and eventually national, you know, caught, you know, caught me on TV a couple different times and caught me doing these events and, uh, wanted to kind of help expand the, uh, the, the campaign and uh, they, they've stepped in and um, these last uh, three seasons I've uh, you know been uh, a national spokesperson for beef it's what's their dinner which has been great because um, you know there's there's so much misinformation out there you know just an ag all around um, and like even I even catch myself you know learning a lot about other different uh, you know forms of ag and, and what they're doing and, and mis- misconceptions that I have so I always try to ask lots of questions and try to uh, make sure I'm, I'm getting, getting, saying things right when I, especially when I'm talking to, uh, you know, the general public, cause they, a lot of, they all have questions and, you know, mo- mo- most people want to know about their food. They want to know where their food's coming from. And even if they have a lot of misinformation and they're spreading wrong information they're they, for the most part, it's, it's coming from the right spot. They just, they just need to kind of get corrected, um, in, in a few spots and um you know a lot of these beef councils have given me the resources to be able to do that um either whether it's through scientific uh you know articles and research and just the information that they you know are able to put forward and stuff like that so um always always been appreciative of the help they've been able to get me to help uh help with these campaigns and um if nothing else you know it it starts the dialogue between between people and gets them thinking um, which I think, which I think is great. And I think that's what we need more of, uh, especially in this society right now is just more communication, respectful talks back and forth, whether we agree or disagree, but, um, just, just get the ball rolling and, and, and start talking about a lot of these, a lot of these things going on. Well, and I think just bridging that urban and rural gap is more and more important now than it ever has been. Have you had any like aha moments with people once like they're a light bulb's gone off or they've been, they're like, Oh, I can actually talk to a real cowboy or, or that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, expect like I have so many friends in Ninja warrior itself. And honestly, like most of them to get into really big into fitness, they get really big into nutrition and you know, they, they hear a lot of the misinformation and um, you know, I have a, I, I do have a degree in natural resource sciences. So I, I have a background in science. I have a background in a lot of ecology and a lot of, uh, you know, wildlife. And then of course, agriculture. Um, so I, I, I feel like I, I, I'm a good bridge when it does come to that. Um, mo- most of the competitors and people I talk to when I'm doing appearances, if, if I can have a one-on-one conversation, no matter what they're talking about, I can, I can normally bridge that gap and at least get them thinking and at least get them wanting to go and look up more and research more about something. Um, you know, and a lot of it has to do, especially coming from, uh, 
the cattle end of things is, you know, like land use and water use and how like some of the data is just misrepresented and misinterpreted, you, know, you know, mainly misrepresented for more, for the most part on a lot of that stuff. Um, and if you, you can get people thinking, thinking about that and kind of getting these misconceptions, uh, bridged a little bit, uh, you know, it, it's a win all around. Cause then, then even if they don't fully, fully hundred percent believe you in the next conversation they're in with somebody that's, uh, on their bandwagon, they can bring this stuff up and, you know, the conversation gets going, um, even outside your current co conversation. Have you had any, with such a big spotlight, have you had any negative pushback from activists, um, you know, people who maybe have a different agenda than, than beef, it's what's for dinner, um, and how have you dealt with it? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, d definitely, uh, yeah, you, you definitely have your radicals out there, especially on the social media and the things, um, it, it, it's, it's hard because, you know, especially like the far end radicals, you're like, you're not going to change their mind, no matter how much actual information and facts and data you actually try to show at them. Um, and, and it, it's, it's hard, especially like if you're, if you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you can normally, people can read your tones. They can, they can hear your conversations. And most, like I said, if one-on-one -on -one conversation, even with a radical, I, I guarantee you, I can come out of it. Um, just them thinking a little bit more about what's going on. The internet, on the other hand, when I'm typing, people can't read tones. They don't know it. And like, and it, it can get out of hand sometimes. So I try to limit the arguments on there. And I, I, you know, and I don't know if that's the right or wrong way, but definitely try to get everything all in one state, some facts, show some, uh, show what, you know, our, our side or represent, you know, what, what, what we're doing here. And then if the conversation's not going to go anywhere, a lot of the times I, I just, I just try to leave the converse, you know, leave the conversation politely knowing that other people that might think the way that they are, or might be on the fence with some, with, with some of the stuff might read it. And they, they're only going to read the first little part anyways, of maybe your original response. Um, and, and they, they might be able to get the data, even though you're not convincing that person you're arguing with, um, who knows how many ex other people look at it and they're like, Oh, I never thought of that. And, 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 and as long as you're bringing up the right points and the right facts and, um, no, normally you're going to make an impact on someone, whether you realize it or not. Well, and I think, like you said, leave, sometimes the biggest thing you can do is just politely leave a conversation and and yes. be the bigger person. Um, exactly. You know, you can you can politely do it, like you said. You can just be like, "Hey, I don't think we're going to agree on this, but you know, I think you're wrong." You kind of kind of just leave, like leave it like that. You know. Yeah. Most definitely. So, how do you kind of switching gears a little bit? How do you balance being a ninja? and being a rancher how much time are you really away from the ranch and your family how much are they able to travel with you too uh you know it, like i said it's you know it's changed over the years um with everything going on you know and like our operation has definitely changed you know it's it's you know it's mainly my father-in-law's operation and we've definitely heard sides gone up and down and things have happened throughout life but uh you know with ninja like i like i said it's mainly just kind of uh 
as far as competing itself, um, if I make it to nationals, that, that takes the biggest time out of your year. And that's, that's only about a, about a week, uh, that you go to Vegas. Um, the other competitions are, you know, maybe a weekend. Um, so the competing itself, it doesn't really take up that much time. And I, I always try to bring my family with me, you know, whenever I can. Um, but the, the training on the other hand, definitely, uh, coming up to qualifyings and, and semifinals, you're definitely trying to put in the time and effort, um, getting in the exercise when you can, whether that's, you know, you know, before work or after work. And, you know, it just, it's just life balances like everything else. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, when I first started, I didn't have any kids, so, um, I didn't realize how easy I had it back then, but now, now yeah, between, between work and, you know, uh, my wife and kids, you know, it, it, it can be harder to get it in, but I've always had the mentality that like, if I can just get a little in here and there, it all, it all adds up. You know, um, I used to, I used to like dedicate myself to like an hour or two, uh, a day. Um, and I had to block off those times. Now it's like, it's hard to block off, you know, a solid hour to go get a workout in, but you know, if I can get, you know, 15, 20 minutes in the morning or 15, 20 minutes in the afternoon and, um, kind of spread it out throughout the day, you know, still get that hour in just kind of mixing it up and, um, you know, it, it has its benefits too, um, as well. So definitely things have changed over the years and you just got to adapt, adapt to life and, and make it, make it happen. If it, if it means something to you. Well, I think that's great, great words of advice and great things that every, all our listeners can take with them. Um, before we sign off, do you have any parting thoughts or things you want to leave our listeners with, um, this week? Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're in a, we're kind of in a changing, changing atmosphere right now. There's a lot of, a lot of political stuff going on, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, but you know, the agriculture is still the backbone of, you know, the U S right now. And, uh, you know, whether, whether the general public realizes it or not, you know, I, I respect everyone that works in agriculture and, you know, works, works hard and, uh, dedicates himself to help put food on everyone's table. And, uh, you know, when things get hard, I think people are going to realize, uh, how, how important we are, um, and stuff. And I, I know how hard everyone works. I know we have the, the smartest and the best minds across, you know, across the country working on all our issues in in ag. And, um, I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we, 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 we do know what we're doing in a lot, a lot of times we have our scientists, we have our, ecologists we have our people working in ag that have dedicated their time and effort into doing research and um going to schooling for it um it's sad that we don't they don't always come to us first when uh they have issues they they go to other people that uh maybe don't have the the full idea of what what's going on in agriculture but uh you know i just want everyone to you know keep their head up keep keep working hard and uh that, you know, pe- people are noticing, um, and people do, do respect what we do. I think that's, that's a great way to end it. And last question we have for you is where can people find you? Where can people follow you and how can they support you? Yeah. So, um, I'm pretty, yeah, surprisingly pretty spread out between all social medias. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter and uh I'm even on the kid kids TikTok. Um, <laughs> um and uh my my handles uh the same on all of them just at Lance Picus uh L A N C E P K U S um 
you can also uh, go to my website at lancepicus.com and find all my socials on there as well. And yep. Um, I'm pretty active, always trying to, you know, encourage people to, you know, uh, look into ag and, uh, you know, promote ag any way I can. Awesome. Well, thank you for all the work you've, you're doing and all the work you're going to continue to do. We're rooting for you and can't wait to see where this season takes you. Um, listeners, we thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag. Thank you.